the Book Junkie Podcast. This is a podcast where I bring on one of my friends and try to convince them to read a book that I really enjoy. We talk about plot, themes, quotes, and how the story relates to us in real life, especially because we're teenagers. It's pretty much a casual conversation. It's just, you guessed it, all about books. Let's get into the episode. Today, I am joined by Kaylin T. Miller. Kaylin is 14 years old and a high school freshman from University Place, Washington. She's a proud theater kid and an extremely avid reader. She can be found advocating and protesting civil rights in her community and dreams of being the president of the United States one day. She recently let me know that one of her favorite authors is Elizabeth Acevedo. So I thought, why not discuss Miss Acevedo's book, With the Fire on High? So that's what we're going to talk about today. Kaylin, thank you so much for coming on to speak to me. Thank you so much for having me. I feel very honored to be a part of what you're doing. That's so cool. Yeah, and I thought it was such a great idea to talk to you because we have a lot in common. I mean... I did plays when I was younger so much. I was such a theater kid and I want to be president too. And it's just, we're so similar. So I thought that was interesting, but let me stop rambling. I'll tell you the plot. So basically ever since she got pregnant freshman year, Emily Santiago's life has been about making the tough decisions, doing what has to be done for her daughter and her abuela. The one place she can let all that go is in the kitchen where she adds a little something magical to everything she cooks, turning her food into straight-up goodness. Even though she dreams of working as a chef after she graduates, Emily knows that it's not worth her time to pursue the impossible. Yet, despite the rules she thinks she has to play by, once Emily starts cooking, her only choice is to let her talent break free. She faces a lot of struggles, such as difficulty in cooking class, dealing with a new boy in her life, and complications with the father of her child. Her new guy friend, Malachi, becomes a big part of her life and is sort of an escape for her in terms of stress. Her baby, Emma, is a joy of Emily's life. It's just being a teen mother is a lot of work. Through discovering more about trust and relationships, Emily grows as a person throughout this book, and there are some very evident dynamics between the characters as well. I really loved reading it, and it actually only took me one day. That's how much I loved reading the book. So, Kaylin, what do you think? I love books that are, like, so interesting that you can read them all in one sitting. The amount of times I've done that, and it's gone on my mother's nerves so many times. Um, (laughs) The plot is super interesting. Because it's very, like, it's not super similar to Miss Acevedo's other books. Because I've read The Poet X, and that was so good. And it just seems so different from that, while also relatable still. My mom was a teen mom, so I'm very interested in that, too. Because I'm a product of teen pregnancy. I think that's even more interesting because I didn't know that. So you're actually going to basically be giving us insight onto how the mind of a person who actually experienced their parents going through that, how you're thinking from a different perspective. Because I know that teen pregnancy happens a lot 
more than people expect. And it's just that we don't hear it as much. Like I was talking to my mom the other day and we were talking about teen pregnancy, but she said that it used to happen all the time when she was younger and she doesn't hear a lot about it today. And I think that it's important that this book highlighted that because it is the reality for a lot of people. And although they may have made a series of decisions to get to that point, once it's done, it's done. And you have to be responsible for what you have to be responsible for. Definitely. My mom, she got pregnant with me when she was 17, I believe. And I mean, she kept me. <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> and, um, she graduated high school a year early, but she was very intelligent and didn't let, let having me stop her from pursuing her college degree. So she still went to higher education and she still thrives today even though she had me so young and she was a single mother for the first uh, six years of my life. And that was definitely hard, but she still persisted. And it's not like teen pregnancy is something that will definitely hold you back. Like you can still grow from that. Yeah. And I think that's really cool because it really shows how your mom's story even connects to Emily's story. Like, Emily is such a smart girl, and she's so talented. And she got pregnant at 14, not 17. But it's still a similar situation where she was in high school, and she had to deal with all of these people saying things about her. And your mom might have had to go through that as well. Do you know if she did? I honestly don't know. Me and my mom haven't talked a whole lot about what it was like while she was pregnant. I know more about like what happened afterwards. So I don't really know if like people talked about her or what other influences people had on her. She definitely had support. And I think that was super essential and helped in like her decision making for keeping me, I think. Like she had support from my birth father's parents and her own parents, and her friend's parents. And I think that was really needed. Yeah, I think that is important. And I'm very glad that your mom had that support since she kept you and you're here now. Um, And a lot of kids see their parents and they're, I have a lot of friends whose parents were teen parents. And it's just something that happens a lot. So might as well support the people who are going through that. And I also think this book did a great job of portraying an Afro-Latina teenager in an environment that was relatable for a lot of teenagers across America. Emily felt like her blackness was being challenged because she was light-skinned and she had relatively loose curls. And although her mother was African-American, father was Puerto Rican, people are saying that she's not black enough or she's barely black. And I see this with a lot of lighter-skinned Black individuals, and they're asked if they're mixed or fully Black. My mom is actually mixed race, too. My grandmother is white, and my grandfather is Egyptian. And so my mom is also fair-skinned, and she has loose brown curls. And a lot of girls, I remember her telling me growing up, not even just like while she was pregnant, like did not like her because of her color. And just because of that, even though she wasn't as dark as other black people, she still faced a lot of discrimination because of her skin color. 
And I, that probably, (laughs) that didn't seem to help a lot. Yeah, that's, that's pretty sad because that even makes me think about colorism, which irritates my soul. I hate colorism so much. And it's really a huge problem within the Black community, especially because light is seen as good and darker is seen as bad. But I think that we should have the mindset that we're all in this together. And no matter what, we all share the common trait that we're all Black and skin color shouldn't even matter that much, not even just in the Black community, but everybody in total. That's very true, especially with everything that's been going on recently. Like, colorism really is a big thing in the Black community. Me and my mom were talking, like, yesterday, I think, and I had noticed that in, like, recent years on Disney Channel, there's been um, more Black girls as leads, but only one of them has ever been a darker-skinned Black girl, and most all of them have been lighter skin with very loose or straight hair. I totally see what you're saying because every time I would watch Disney, oh yeah, and also China and McLean from Ant Farm, but the only time that I would see a black girl that was almost as dark as me, which neither of those girls are either, but they always lean towards the lighter side or they have these family formulations. Whenever they have a black family, it's always a light-skinned mom and light-skinned daughter and a dark-skinned dad and a dark-skinned son. So I'm like, what is that saying to other people? Because that's not what's good. Not saying that that's not good, but they're trying to portray it as that's the only acceptable family unit that a black family can be. Yes, like they're making it seem like being darker skin means you're like more masculine and that's different. And when you're lighter skin, you're more feminine. You're, you're better that way. And that's in lots of black TV shows, even like on Disney too. And other shows like um, Casey undercover where the mom and the dad and the daughters and the son are all different shades, but very respectively. And on, like, The Proud Family, an animated show, but the mom and the daughters are still lighter, and the dad and the son are still darker. And it's the only family portrayal that we've seen for so long. Exactly. I cannot remember the last time that I saw a whole Black family that was all dark skin, or a whole Black family that was not just the one thing that Hollywood is trying to portray. But another thing I loved in the book was how Emily was such a loving and determined mother for her daughter, Emma. And she worked long, hard hours while attending school to provide for her daughter. And despite having to grow up at a very early age, she was so responsible and she did her best to set Emma up for success. And I love how Miss Acevedo, made her not that mom who was depending on everybody around her to help support her daughter. Because a lot of the time, people try to portray teenage mothers and teenage parents as bad people because they made decisions and they had a child. But the thing is, the kid is already there. So a a lot of the time, those parents are always trying their best to make sure that their children have the best. And I'm sure that your mom did the same thing for you. So what do you think about that? I definitely do think, um, especially in like media, teen parents are shown as just like irresponsible children who shouldn't have had 
children and like they can't do anything for themselves. But that's not always the case. Like some kids probably are very overwhelmed with the responsibility of having a child. That sounds crazy to me right now, honestly. (laughs) And, but my mom, she worked a lot while I was younger. Um, She had multiple jobs. I was often staying with my grandparents um, so she could work. She tried. She tries still really hard to provide for me and my sisters. And that's just a sign, a side of teen parenting that isn't often portrayed and is really nice to see in a from a mainstream author. Definitely. And I think that that even plays into the fact that there were so many people with ignorant mindsets in that book and also in the real world. And Emily was a teenage mother, but on top of that, she was black. So I see so much judging going on in the world. And Miss Acevedo really showed that Emily was a strong character. And the it was just interesting to see how she dealt with all of the rude words because despite the fact that she was a strong character, it did still sting. Being a black girl, you're already over-sexualized and like thought to be more grown up than you actually are as a kid. And then being a teen black mom on top of that, I can only imagine this, the kind of discrimination that she had to go through because of how prejudiced our current society is. And it's nice to see this kind of representation though. Yes, definitely. And I think that what you just said about black girls being thought of as already grown up or grown or fast or over-sexualized is so true. I read this book. I actually worked with the author, Chrissy Lauren Adams, and her book is called Parable of the Brown Girl. And she basically wrote seven chapters about different stereotypes of black girls and how they can be demolished in the real world now because everybody is an individual. But one of those was the fast black girl. And it was basically telling about the stereotype that we are over-sexualized and we're always seen as grown up or sometimes we develop faster and people look at us and act like we're just going to go around and be fast, even though I don't like that term, but I don't know what else to replace it with right now. And it's just so unfortunate that when people get themselves into the situation where they do have a child, especially black girls, they're seen as bad or just bad people in general when that's really not the case most of the time exactly like if I straighten my hair when I I was like eight years old I straightened my hair and my grandparents are like oh don't do that to her she's she looks fast she's gonna just grow up way too soon she looks too grown with her hair like that and that's just not the case like black girls, little black girls everywhere. <laughs> There's not a lot you can do to like show your personality without being called grown or fast. And you're just like stuck in this box because women in society are already like put down for everything that they like. And then being a black woman on top of that, you're even further pushed into this little hole. <laughs> Because everything you do is just too unacceptable for everyone else's standards. Exactly. 
And I think that despite all the things that Emily had to grow through, had to go through and grow through, I think that Miss Acevedo was using Emily's talent in cooking as a metaphor for her navigating life because she used words to describe her cooking like bittersweet and sour and savory. And I know that's probably expected in describing food, especially in a book where the main character is a cook. But I realized that it can also relate to Emily's journey to becoming more mature and finding a good balance for her life, just like a recipe. I love the way you think. That is, that's so smart. <laughs> like, I can definitely see that. Um, like, because there are bittersweet moments in life where it, di- it didn't work out how you wanted to, but you make the best of it. and that definitely seems like something you would think of as a teen mom, I would think. Like, if you weren't planning on having a kid at a certain age, and then you do, but you make it work, and you, you life goes on. Yeah, and I think it's all about perseverance, too. But there was also a quote that I found really interesting, and I'm going to read it. It's pretty short, but Emily said this, and she said, You can't control how people look at you, but you can control how far back you pull your shoulders and how high you lift your chin. What does that mean to you? It's, it's so true. Like, people will stare. People will talk about you behind your back. And your reaction shows a lot about your personal character. Like you could go and say stuff about them too. You can go fight them or something like that. Or you can take the high road and just be the bigger person. And that says a lot, (laughs) like especially being black. Like I feel, I feel like I'm bringing up race a lot, but that's heavily influenced in like your life. Like your race means a lot right now. And I've been called names. I've been made fun of, but I've never like retaliated like that. And I, I like this quote a lot, actually. Yeah, me too. And I think that it represents a lot of people's experiences, almost everybody's, because people will assume things about you 24-7. And it's all about how you react to the situation because people can say whatever they want to say about you. It's really how you take it. But I also know from personal experience that I can't control how people perceive me, so I'm just going to do my best in everything regardless. Not too many months ago, I put on acrylics, and somebody made a comment and said, well, every time I see people like you wearing acrylics, my mind automatically goes to ghetto. And I was like, what? Do you want to try that again? Like, what do you mean? I just don't understand how people can just jump to conclusions so fast or make assumptions based off of skin color or based off of someone's preferences. And it's just so frustrating and something that we as the human race really need to solve because it's not going to get us anywhere in the future. One, I'm so sorry that happened to you, but um, definitely, like, black girls can't like having long acrylic nails. They can't, 
um, cornrow their hair or add colors to those cornrows or have naturally big lips or uh, like wider hips or bigger noses or any of those features because society doesn't like it. But if a lighter skinned girl, if a white girl were to do any of those things, she's like fashion forward and trendy and like the double standards between between women, between men and women, and between black women and other eth- ethnic women, like, it's hard. <laughs> For sure. Definitely. And I was even having a conversation with my friend about cultural appropriation the other day. So what you're saying about a black girl doing something and it being unacceptable and then a lighter skin or a white girl doing something and it being totally fine, fashion forward, perfect and great for the next generation to see as an example is really something that is so evident in especially the teenage population. Yes, especially as teenagers. If I wear a skirt to school, but my teacher, no, I was wearing a crop top. I was wearing a crop top to school and my principal, she walks up to me and she's like, you have to zip up your jacket because that violates uh, school dress code. And my crop top still covered everything, but I guess it was obvious that it was cut. So, I mean, I zipped up my jacket, but other girls, whiter girls at my school wear like spaghetti strap tops and crop tops all the time and they can get away with it and it's very frustrating to deal with but you know you just have to like pull yourself together and not try and make a whole deal out of it Right. And that's exactly what the quote is saying, um, that you can't control how people look at you. But there are also a few tap. There were also a few topics that I found in the story that I thought were interesting. The first one is the confusing absence of Emily's father, Julio. And that caused a lot of inner turmoil for her heart because there are a lot of families where dads are absent or semi-absent like Julio, and it has a big impact on the kids. So in Emily's life, her dad was there with her mother throughout the pregnancy, but then unfortunately her mother passed away during childbirth and her father couldn't bear that weight. So he gave Emily to his mother and he went back to his country and he was saying that he didn't want to live anywhere else but his country. And that meant that he couldn't come and live with Emily in America. I can relate to that on a certain level. Um, my birth father wasn't very active throughout my mother's pregnancy or my life up until this point. Like, um, he was in and out all the time and not the not right for my mom while she was pregnant. My mom actually had to move to Texas while she was pregnant with me and then came back here to Washington. And I was born here and we stayed here for a bit, but because of my father's choices, we ended up moving back to Texas again for the first two years of my life before coming back to Washington again. And fathers have a lot of impact on their families and like absent fathers have an even bigger impact. How do you think that your situation with your dad has impacted your life specifically? Because of the type of person that he is, 
I, I think that I'm better for it. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Um, this book also shows how important it is not to judge other people. And I think that you and your mom be able to relate to this because I know that, especially because you, your mom had you at 17, there are so many people who assume that when ki people have kids at 17 that the person's life is automatically doomed and the child is not going to have a good life as well. But I know for sure that Emmy's character is relatable for a lot of teen moms out there who are doing their best. And just because Emmy had a child doesn't mean that she can't be smart or it doesn't mean that she's fast. It just means that she's a mom. And I'm not saying go and get pregnant as a teenager because that is a lot of responsibility but when they're in those situations it's best not to judge because you never fully know anyone's story definitely like my mom is very smart my mom at 14 got an interest letter from stanford when she went into high school because of how good she is at like math stanford what yeah <laughs> they sent my mom an interest letter when she was 14 and so like definitely um you can't judge a person based on this one action when you don't know the full picture she made some decisions but they weren't terrible yeah exactly so Kaylin, since we talked about all those things do you think you would want to read the book absolutely why because of how personal um, I can relate, how personally I can relate it to my own life and my mother's life and to society now. <laughs> like, yeah, just how do I can relate to it so much, even without knowing the full story, just listening to you talk about it, I know that I'm gonna like it. Awesome. And I also think that this book is a great representation, especially after talking to you, of why it's so important to write books about these kinds of situations or write books about different kinds of people. Because now you have a book that you can read and relate to the main character and you can relate to other characters in the book who are going through similar things as you. So I just want to say thank you so much for coming to talk to me. And since you are kind enough to come and have this conversation with me, Brown Kids Read is going to send you a free copy of With the Fire on High. So hopefully you can enjoy it like I did. Thank you so much like talking to you has been so nice hearing someone else who's so passionate about books um talk about books and race and how all these things interlap especially being a teenager awesome that's great um thank you so much for coming to talk to me again and thank you to everyone who listened to us discuss this book if you like their thoughts, be sure to follow or subscribe to the Book Junkie podcast on whatever platform you're using right now. If this got you interested in reading With the Fire on High, you can purchase it on sites like Amazon or BarnesandNoble.com. If you'd like to know more about me, visit brownkidsread.org, which is a website for my nonprofit. You can learn about my personality, my undying love for books, and how I turn that into a business that helps 
others. I'm glad you made it to the end of this episode and I'm so happy you decided to click on the book junkie. Thank you so much for listening and be sure to come back for more of me and my friends discussing diverse young adult books. Until next time, book junkies. Bye. Bye.